All right, John, we are live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. What are you wearing? <laughs> hey, I don't know where you've been. Um, so I'm just trying to be safe, you know, in this situation. Um, no, this, <laughs> this is uh, this is from Alt and Meta Threads, and so um, I'm super hyped on those guys. And one thing that they're doing, they have this uh, gamer masks for gamers uh, campaign. If I said that right, but essentially they're selling these masks that are just super sick designs. And for every mask you purchase, they donate two masks to frontline workers. So it's just like a cool thing that I love helping people every time I get a chance and supporting people who are helping people. And I like being a part of dope stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm hyped. I got this in the mail yesterday. So I got, got a couple of them. So All right, very cool. Well, Hey guys, thanks. Thanks for jumping in. Uh, go ahead and type in where you're coming from. Uh, got a big crowd there on YouTube. Um, jump in. We, we're going to be answering questions throughout. So thank you all very much for being here. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Daener Dr. Denera, how are you? How are you doing? Thanks for being here. Where are you coming from? Put it in the chat. It's going to be a really cool conversation. Um, John, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute or two, catch everybody up to speed, and we have a lot to get to. Yeah. So just, uh, I guess, intro on myself, uh, you know, being part of the, the esports community and um, what I've done in my career so far. Uh, formerly, I was the head of partnerships at GameStop, uh, where I helped lead partnerships and uh, build the esports strategy there, which um, very stoked to to be a part of. We, you know, initiated uh, partnerships with Complexity Gaming for the the GameStop Performance Center, the the world's leading uh, gaming and training facility. Uh, we did partnerships with Envy, Fuel, Optic, Outlaws, CSL, Metrorino, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, had a great experience over there working with a ton of great people. Uh, I joined PRG Production Resource Group about six or seven months ago. Uh, PRG is the world's leading event technology company. And so within the gaming space, we're producing, we're working on the Fortnite World Cup. We work with DreamHack, League of Legends, Madden Championship Series, others outside of the gaming space, which is more what PRG is known for, uh, producing the Super Bowl halftime show. 90% of the Broadway plays, Coachella, Grammys, Oscars. So love being part of a, a kind of a winning team over there and doing some cool stuff to really innovate the esports fan experience, which I'd love to talk about. And then in addition to that, I'm the president of the Esports Trade Association, where we seek to just help enhance and support the business practices of the esports community to enable us to do more of what we love. And then... Um, on a few advisory boards with uh, Dallas influencers and sports entertainment. So uh, being in a part of everything sports entertainment that's happening in the Dallas area, Stadia Ventures, which is a startup accelerator for sports and tech. And um, I also help out UNT for their sports and entertainment management degree. So I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. All right. We got to jump into chat. YouTube is on fire right now. There's, there's all, all kinds of people on there. So Jason, Will, what's up? Uh, so it's from Jason's from LA. So JD is a legend. Uh, Chris and Heather Davidson from Portland, Oregon. Jump into LinkedIn chat here real quick. Uh, Stephen Shepard out of Atlanta. Joey Lutz in Montreal. Uh, Nick out of Orlando. Ben out of Boston. Uh, Benjamin out of Iran. Randy in New York. Sam in Denver. We got people all over the place. So thank, thanks for thanks joining, for, everybody. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, go ahead, real quick, go ahead and type questions as we talk through some things. Feel free to jump in. We want to make this as much of a Q&A as possible. Uh, we love doing that, so thanks for doing that on all platforms. So if you have a question already, after listening listen to John's experience, go ahead and throw it in there. We'll get to it. Uh, again, thanks for doing that. Uh, I do. I want to start here. Let's talk about your skateboard. Let's talk about your skateboarding career. That's uh, something we yeah. talked about off air. I think that would be great to kind of talk about uh, that journey there and then your transition to esports. Sure. Well, uh, you know, skateboarding was – uh, really what took me a lot of places. And um, I, I started skateboarding when I was 11, kind of had a knack for it. At that time, nobody was really sponsored back in the day. Now, when you look, you know, kids start skateboarding, the first thing they say is, I want to get sponsored. And because <laughs> everybody's sponsored now. Right, right. Um, and this was about 25 years ago. I turned 37 years old on April 10th. So uh, barely hanging on over here. But uh, so about uh, 26 years ago, I started skateboarding and just kind of had a knack for it. And me and my brother 
uh, did it together. We've been best friends our whole lives. And he really had the love for it. And he was the one who kind of pushed me forward to do it more. And, uh, you know, after a couple of years, he's like, man, John's really good at skateboarding. We should start filming and shooting photos and he could maybe get a sponsor. And uh, I got sponsored at age 14. Um, and it kind of took out, off from there, winning contests, uh, got a skate shop sponsor, clothes sponsor, shoes sponsors, skateboard sponsors. And kind of the, the short-term version of that is um, right after high school, um, it really hit me like, holy crap, what am I going to do? Like, am I just going to skate for fun? <laughs> I didn't really plan ahead. And then I got this, this skate sponsor, this, this company in Orlando, Florida. They, uh, they sent flyers out to like every skate shop in the country. And I don't know how many people entered it, uh, but the challenge was send in a video part. And in skateboarding, it's all about video parts. So about five minutes of you skateboarding edited together. And the person who wins gets sponsored by the company. And I don't know if I was the only one who entered, but I won. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't right? matter. <laughs> one or a million. I would. I same result. So, um, so like a year later, I I booked a one way ticket to Orlando, and I was like, this is my my skateboarding dream. Um, I ended up out there in a super tough situation, and the the company actually ended up falling apart. I want to say two weeks before my flight oh, wow. to move out there. And there's one thing that I hate is like when people talk about like what they're going to do, but you know, they're never going to do it. Right. You know, and like I remember in high school, all my friends in central California were like, yeah, I'm going to move to mammoth and I'm going to be a snowboard instructor. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you're not like, this sounds cool at this party we're at right now to say that but that's definitely not happening. And so my attitude was basically like, I've told too many people I'm moving to Orlando. I cannot, you know, run. One <laughs> You're of committed. Friends, you know, <laughs> like, John, I thought you moved to Orlando. Oh, you know, it didn't work out. So I went, I was there for a year. I did telemarketing to support myself. I was uh, the cell phone dude in the, in the Florida mall, um, all that stuff. And uh, I ended up, you know, moving uh, back to California, helped my brother. Uh, he did a, had a, a skate a skate park at a church out there in Redwood City, and he had um, a, a really sick setup. So I helped him out with that. Um, I was selling Kirby vacuums door to door. Our pets' heads are falling off, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I got on a I got on a tour for six months straight. Um, I it was supposed to be a two month long tour, which is still super long. And I got on this tour and the first day they said, we got more funding. we got more dates. Uh, you want to be on, on tour for six months? I was like, yup, I got nowhere to be. Right. So um, I did that. I was on tour for six months all over the country. I think I drove across the country probably seven different times or like seven times total up and down east, west. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I ended up breaking my ankle at the end of that tour. And um, I, you know, forced me to get into the business world and took off from there. But that's kind of the cliff notes version of what I did. And um, it opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, It helped me really understand youth marketing, influencer marketing, and how to also connect with a niche uh, subculture that is very difficult to reach. And that's why I understand the gaming community so well. And like, I just understand how brands can activate in this space in a, in an effective way, because try to reach skateboarders as a non-endemic brand. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. The Uh, the gates are up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Skateboarders would, they would rather be uh, poor and uh, be left alone than have some non-endemic brand, like give them a bunch of money. And so gamers, you know, are not that hard to reach. Um, they, They have what I call a healthy skepticism. And so, I always tell brands, you know, if you if you add value to the experience in a way that's meaningful for the community, these people will embrace you. Um, but so, it, are, it, so real quick, what, just to so forget, what are some tangible ways they can do that to add value? Yeah, yeah it's a great question. So I give um, four kind of pillars of how to add value to the esports experience, and you know, there's more than these, but these are very strong ones. And I would, I would 
recommend that brands do more than one, um, if not all of these. So uh, fan experience is the first one. So if you think about if you're going to an event, which is not happening right now, <laughs> right. but live events, you go to an event, how is the experience better for fans who are there? Whether that's uh, your brand providing VIP seating, right? Or you're, you're uh, providing VIP access behind the scenes or something like that. Another example um, is competitive experience. So a unique thing compared to traditional sports and esports is more people play who watch than in traditional sports, right? A lot of that is because the, the barriers to entry are lower. Like I watch NFL football, but I don't play football, right? Because my sure. I've fallen on concrete for fun for 26 years. I can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but competitive experience, giving like amateur people an opportunity to play themselves, whether that's at an event or whether that's just enabling that elsewhere, you know, the community is responsible to that. And then also unique experience, which unique experience might sound the same as the two others, but this is something where, you know, based on research, we know young people uh, value experiences over owning products. And this is a response of kind of the, the selfie generation. Like if, if your brand can give people an experience that they can then take a picture, post it online, show their friends what they're doing, whether they have friends doing it with them or generating FOMO with the friends that aren't able to, to be there, you know, you're giving them social currency, which, which is very valuable. And at GameStop, that's what we loved about the GameStop Performance Center with complexity, like the unique experience to, to experience uh, training the way the pros do at the highest level, stuff like that. And then the fourth one, which if you're going to do any of them, uh, I would say do this and it's content meaningful content for the community. So like whether we like it or not, everybody is on their phones at all times, especially young people. Right. And so, uh, you know, make, make sure that the content is optimized for mobile because everybody's watching on their phones. And, you know, I've talked to people who are experts in content and they say, you know, people are going to be consuming your content or, or somebody else's. So it might as well be yours. So, you know, those four pillars um, will really give brands a head start in um, in the in being embraced by the community. So if I always say this is if it is not a better experience for the community as a result of your brand being part of it, you shouldn't be in it. You should figure that out before you enter the space because you are going to wish you never even got into it. <laughs> if right. you don't do it yeah. the right way. This is a vocal community that's going to tear you to shreds online. <laughs> so uh, obviously that, that's insane amount of value that you've just provided right there. I hope everybody heard that. Uh, we're going to be clipping that out, obviously. Um, let's go back to physical events. Someone that's very involved, uh, had t obviously tons of experience uh, in the space. I want to hear your take on where you think it's, it's going to be, where physical events are going to land um, back to. And, I, and, and this is the hot, this is the hot word right now, but the new normal. Okay. Uh, so, sure. it's probably, so it's probably bad because I'm doing the new normal, uh, but what the new normal will look like for physical events. Yeah, great question. So I think that, well, I don't know when they will come back. Um, I don't want to speak on that and have sure. a soundbite sure. on. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> right. But what I will say is I don't think it's going to change a ton from what we've seen in the past. I think the biggest change is going to be that brands – uh, teams and leagues are going to experience the benefits of digital marketing and they're going to um, they're going to embrace those as they because they have to right now in this ecosystem. So I you know I'm a I'm the type of person who uh, I love to talk to people. I love to get advice. I never assume I know it all, right? I want to hear what a lot of people say and so I have a lot of friends in the agency world. And what they've shared with me is that they're like brands typically see digital um, and experiential as an add-on. Brands are very conservative and they like traditional, they like what they've done before because they know what to expect. It's risky to try something new. If it doesn't work, you could lose your job, right? KPIs, measurements, yeah, numbers, yeah. Exactly. And so in this sense, everybody's being forced into digital marketing and digital channels. And there's a lot of benefits to that 
which you know agencies have have been telling their clients over and over for years now you need to do this believe me it'll work you'll love it now that people have to do it now you have a lot of case studies right i always say it's easier to sell a case study than it is an idea to be able to say look we did this for this mm -hmm. other brand or we did this for you and it worked in this regard you got xyz out of it um so i think that it that part is going to increase the the digital marketing piece as far as live events go, I really think people are going to continue to congregate and get back together and start going to live events. And this is why I think so. If you look at what spring break looked like in Miami this year, guess who was there? Everybody, <laughs> even though there was a global pandemic, right? And mm. so I don't think that, especially young people, I don't think young people who aren't respecting restrictions now are going to re respect restrictions once there's no restrictions. However, yeah, however, I will say this. I think the smart leagues and the smart teams are going to use this as an opportunity to reset expectations. And what I mean by that is, and this is not a harsh criticism of the industry, this is just a truth, is that, you know, esports is not dishonest in any way, but esports numbers are not super transparent. And what I mean by that is when you see these numbers, you see global numbers. It's difficult and it's rare that you see numbers by country, especially like just the US, right? So when you see that, you know, 500 million esports enthusiasts or whatever that number is today, it's a global number. And a lot of a lot of brands and a lot of investors you know, some of them have global aspirations and global reach, but there's a lot that have local or just U.S. domestic reach, right? And so if you're telling these people that, you know, they're reaching 500 million people, first of all, that's almost twice the population of the United States. <laughs> but right. if you're also clumping together the numbers for every title and every league, you're overselling them and you're not setting expectations properly. Right. And so there's a lot of people. Esports needs so much context because it's very complex. And a lot of people just see these headlines of like Barclay sold out 20 minutes. Right. Um, you see, you know, stuff going on in Poland where you got 160,000 people over a weekend sort of a thing. And it's like, guys, these are rare events. These are the Super Bowls. Right. Like imagine if you were to pitch a brand on sponsoring your NFL team and you gave them the numbers for the Super Bowl. That's and then point. that's a great point. And then they activate at one game and they're like, "Wait, I thought 100 million people were going to watch." This. Right. And their, ex their expectations were sky high. Right. Right. So, here's the thing. Esports is still extremely a uh, very compelling investment. It's very enticing. I encourage people to do it in the right way. But well, I think it does the industry a favor if we pull the curtain back a little bit and we say, look, this league, this title, this team has this following. We don't need to shout from the rooftops the biggest numbers in the world because the true numbers are, you know, are vindicated. You know, they're, they're worth investment. And so I think these leagues and these teams will reset this. And you can even use COVID almost as an excuse, right? And you can say, look, at your average uh, events, which are more common now, especially due to Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, right? Your average event, you're looking for 2,500 to 3,000 people at an event. Now, you can also, you'll have more impressions and more engagement online. Sure. And as, as these brands and these leagues and these teams are forced more into digital marketing, like they're going to they're going to grow those channels and they're also going to do a better job, um, which is going to be more effective. But if you're looking on site, you know, it's super important to say, Hey guys, this is the reality. And um, I think we'll, I think that's the long game and I think we'll do ourselves a favor. And I think the teams that do that uh, will, will uh, it'll be good for them in the long run. Because when you set expectations with a brand, if you say, look, because sp sponsors are sponsoring everything, they're funding everything, is what I mean. And that's why I'm talking about brands so much, is the number one source of revenue in esports is sponsorship.
So you need to take care of these people. So Chris, if you're a brand and I tell you, look, I'm going to get you 100 million views and blah, 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 this, that, and the other, you might sign on with me as a sponsor for a year or two. But during that year or two, you're going to be pissed. And then secondly, you're definitely not re-signing with me. And you might be so jaded from the experience that you leave esports as a whole and nobody is getting that money because you did not properly set expectations. But if you, and I have friends and partnerships who are actually very conservative with this. They do a great job and they set those expectations very clearly. And I have friends who say, you know what? I'd rather charge less for a partnership and make sure I knock it out of the park because I want to build that relationship. I want that to be a partner with us for 10 years. Right. And I really take my hat off to the people who, who do that. Um, because if, if you're a brand and you know, on the, the other side of the coin, I say, look, this is the reality of the situation, but you know, grow with us, you know, like right. this is, and we accomplish what I say I'm going to accomplish, even if it's a little smaller. It's and, better that's, and that's, in, that's like with anything else in business, it's the short term versus long term. And yeah. the ones that want the quick flip that want to sell, you know, to sell the highest number, just to sell the highest number, right. In the short term, that's not a long-term perspective. That's not a relationship perspective. So I think right. that that big high level, that's what's going on there. And that's with any industry or any business. So, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what you're talking about. Um, that short-term versus long-term mindset can really hurt or help, you know, that. So the other, the other thing too, to about sponsoring. So uh, it's not official yet. I want to announce it uh, later today, but I'm sponsoring, we're sponsoring, small level experience is sponsoring an event, um, an, online, an online tournament coming up. Uh, and I'll be making that announcement and the conversations with them was, you know, walking through that process, you know, what, what are, as a sponsor, what am I getting out of this? What right. is the company getting out of this? And what does that long-term look like? So it, it, that's what has to happen versus just slapping a number on something and then just saying, okay, let's just roll with it, whatever. So well, um, yeah, to that point, um, it's also, it's not just important to send expectations with uh, the numbers. It's also important to set expectations with the type of KPIs you should be measuring and what you'll be getting out of it. Because short term, it's not a sales KPI that you should be measuring. Like if you're looking to sponsor esports to immediately generate sales, that's not going to happen. And <laughs> I'm guessing the community is going to smell that from a mile away, knowing you're just in it for a cash grab and you're going to get blacklisted. Right. But if you what you sh the metrics you should be measuring and looking for are loyalty, positive sentiment, and affinity. And sales is the result of uh, achieving those things. But what you want to do is go to the community first and say, "Look, I want to help you." And right. in turn, exactly. they will respond to that and embrace you. So. I think for whether it's agencies out there or, or teams who are looking, you know, to pitch brands, like I would urge you to focus more on the loyalty, positive sentiment, affinity um, to connect with this young group. And, you know, the, the consumers in this group are so young as well that it's great to play the long game with these, these, these guys, because they're going to be a lot around for a long time. Right. Hey, we got, so we got questions coming in. Guys, thank you so much for jumping in. Uh, we want to get to these as much as we possibly can. So let me grab a uh, real, real, real quick question from Michael on LinkedIn. What's going on, man? Uh, who's better off in the new normal? Brands returning to live esports events or brands entering the space for the first time when events return? Can you say that one more time? Yeah. Brand, uh, who's better off in the new normal? Brands returning to live esports events or brands entering the space for the first time when events return? I think I would say brands who have been a part of it before, um, but that, but you need to shift your strategy to more to digital, right? Because one thing that this crisis has taught us is that we don't know how long this is going to last. And we also don't know if it's going to happen again. Right. And so what you've seen is that the people who are succeeding are people who have already been doing this. So I would say, you know, embrace the, the live events, you know, with caution, because those are definitely coming back, but definitely grow the online portion of it. Because one thing to understand is that 
this is a group of very digitally native people who are very comfortable staying home on the stream, love to play while they watch, right? It's a more comfortable experience than it is at the event sometimes. And that's one of the things that at PRG I'm working at is not only making the home fan experience better, but making the live event fan experience something that you just can't miss. Um, but the reason, another reason I should say why I think brands who have already been doing it um, will be more successful is because they're known, right? So there's brand recognition there. And especially like somebody like DHL, right? Like DHL is famous for the activations they've had in the Dota 2 community. Um, and so if FedEx comes in, right? For example, like there's going to be a little bit of time where the community is going to say, hold on, are you here for me or are you here for yourself? DHL, they already know like, hey, these guys are here for me, right? So, um, but I would challenge somebody like a DHL to, you know, grow that online uh, marketing, that digital marketing more while doing the live events as well. Because I don't think you want to leave the live events because there's something within us that just craves physical interaction, right? And I heard people say that if there is one group of people that would never need physical interaction, it would be gamers. Because this is a group that is very digitally savvy, digitally native. They connect with their friends online all the time. But when you think of passion and you think of uh, people getting together in an enthusiastic way, one of the best examples is Comic-Con, right? right? Like when you see people not only show up, but participate. And like the most rabid fans I've seen in my life, I've been to every type of sporting event, live event. And when I go to an esports event, those are the most passionate fans I've ever seen. And these people could just so more easily connect online. But this proves that people will always want to get together in person. Right. And so I think for that reason. Or, or, like, or the events wouldn't even, or the physical events wouldn't even exist if that's the case, because you have that online interaction capability. Right. I mean, absolutely. the proof is in what's already happened. So no, I think it's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so Jason from YouTube, uh, since stay at home orders were initiated, ESPN started feature esports, uh, a la League of Legends, NBA 2K tournament. What could this mean for the gaming industry going forward? Or esports industry as well. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the thing that I thought was most smart about what ESPN is doing is that they're broadcasting it on their app as well as traditional yes. TV. ESPN Plus, yeah. Right, because here's the thing is like, yeah, like ESPN has a lot of people watching their channel, but young people don't watch linear TV. <laughs> I don't think I've had ESPN, linear ESPN. I haven't had it in years. <laughs> To be, to be exactly. honest. And you and I are at the, the top end of quote unquote young people, right? So, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> to put it nicely, to put it, I don't know, 37 isn't feeling so young. Um, but, yikes. Um, but the other, here's what I think too. Um, and I saw this with Buffalo Wild Wings. So Buffalo Wild Wings had some challenges uh, embracing esports a while back. And what they were doing is, you know, they were the the center for. I think they hosted like CS:GO tournaments, and then they were the they were the official location for Hearthstone tournaments. I believe it was. And if I'm if I'm thinking about the wrong game, please let me know. But I'm pretty sure it was Hearthstone. But the response from the community was, "What?" <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, Hearthstone. And so to give B-Dubs credit, they did see the trend of esports. But I think they went for the core gamer, which wasn't their audience, right? And so you would say, okay, Buffalo Wild Wings, I think you should be hosting Madden tournaments, right? Or NBA 2K League tournaments or FIFA. I would say FIFA would be, or Rocket League, right? Like that's something that's kind of, Mm -hmm. I love Rocket League, and I, th I think it's the future. And I, it's, in their, um, it's in their vertical. I mean, that's just kind of right. the natural progression, it seems like. So I haven't seen the numbers on the viewership yet for League of Legends um, on ESPN last weekend. But my question about it was that's a game that's very difficult for people to understand. And so that tells me that ESPN is clearly going for a new audience rather than trying to maintain their current audience. 
what I would do if I was ESPN is I would do Rocket League, you know, because that's it's super easy to, exciting. Easy to watch. Easy to watch. It's also if you're going to do it on linear TV, the the unique thing about Rocket League is it has set times, right? Like you know how long that's going to be, and that's one of the biggest challenges for esports tournaments with linear TV is you have no idea how long that tournament's going, because if it's best of three maps, you know. Right. It's either short or it's really long. And, you know, that's why we see these these crazy eight-hour days or longer with these tournaments. Well, well, there was a big upheaval around the commercial breaks and things like that. Uh, yeah. And there was a, it was a big deal. Uh, yeah, during the analyst desk part. Yeah, you're – and that just shows – that just shows that they really didn't know what they were doing from that standpoint. So what I would also urge – I mean, I think humility – goes a long way <laughs> in all aspects of life i'm mm-hmm. i'm i've been learning myself you know um trying to learn uh but think about this i would encourage anybody who hears this who is with a traditional platform hire the people who do this every day to do it bring on a production manager or a producer who has produced esports events and broadcasts for 10 15 years call me, I'll give you some names, (laughs) you know, like, like there's people who have done this very well. And what you don't want to do with this community, like I said, healthy skepticism, but highly skeptical. If you screw it up one time, that was your chance, man. And so you're also, if you could even use this as a marketing, a PR campaign that you are providing jobs for the gaming community by bringing these people on. Right. So that's going to create some goodwill to, you know, uh, with the community, and then at the same time, you know you have somebody who's doing it right. Don't risk it by how, and don't assume that the people who can produce an NFL show, which is extremely complex, clearly, but can also produce a League of Legends tournament because it's it's apples and oranges, you know. Exactly, and it was the right fit. You've got to find, like you said, the right fit and spend the time and effort to find that. Absolutely. Because that's the integrity of your relationship with the space. And like you said, you get one shot. That's right. And that's yeah. it. So first uh, that's all you get. So do right. it right the first time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So grabbing some other questions here. Uh, thanks. Thanks for jumping in guys on chat. Really appreciate it. Got an interesting conversations going on uh, over there. Uh, Dr. Donera has a question. Uh, John, where do you see yourself in esports in the next five to 10 years? <laughs> um, Employed, hopefully. <laughs> That's a place to start, right? That's a place to start. So I thought that was an interesting question. I will say this. I, well, I love being at PRG. Um, I, you know, I love what I love about being at PRG is this is the leading event technology in the uh, company in the world, and so with two hundred patents of, of, on event technologies. And so, what I see the opportunity for there is I see myself as a member of the gaming community inside this huge company with unparalleled resources to leverage these to help our community experience events in a way that they never have before, right? And so that's my goal with that. Um, the other things I'm involved in, the Esports Trade Association, I, you know, everything I do revolves around trying to help people. And while I see helping people with PRG, I see that as making events better, more engaging, which is going to be cooler for fans and better for brands. And at Esports Trade Association, which, you know, we're just getting started, you know, we're, we had to delay our first conference, which was in April, but helping improve the business practices of our community. Because the truth of the matter is, and it's not a criticism, but it's a truth, is that esports is a very young industry. And so a lot of people work in this industry don't have a lot of experience just because we're not very old, right? And so if we can bring alongside the right people who are not interested in taking over, but are interested in supporting the community in the way that's really needed, whether that's helping uh, teams maximize the ROI for their brand partners so that they have more partners and they're able to hold on to them longer, whether it's sponsorship valuation modeling. So both teams and brands are able to understand the value of these sponsorships when they're pitching them. So they're more successful. Right, whether it's a, a, a better live event so that people are more engaged and you get better attendance, whether it's uh, media rights and developing new monetization models so we can make sure that we have more stable growth and stable funding for our industry that we do currently, 
Um, I see being involved with the Esports Trade Association for a very long time. And, you know, I just hope to help young people do more of what they love to do. I don't know what that will form that will take in the next five years. I've been very, you know, I've never had concrete plans on what I do in the future. I've always said, I want to do great things. And I think I have a ability to recognize opportunity. I think I can see talent in other people and have a certain vision of how people can come together. So I want to connect the right people. And I have, you know, I have some relationships with some young guys uh, from college who, you know, they help me make sure I'm always plugged into what's going on. Um, and I help them with whether it's introductions or advice or, or career mentoring. So I just really love that stuff. So, you know, I will definitely still be in the esports space. Um, and hopefully I'll just be helping anybody I can in a way that's meaningful. Yeah, it is about connecting people, um, but also connecting companies, strategic partnerships, how they can accelerate one another. Um, there's just a lot of that connecting going on right now, especially right now, especially right now. I mean, this is the absolute time to be doing that. Um, Herb, May had a great, Herb May had a great post um, this week about talking about uh, competition with one another, like don't compete, collaborate, essentially. Right. It's just phenomenal. You know, I'm a big I, believer in that. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is I talk to other production companies all the time. And in the production, the live event production world, there's a lot of competition, Right. And I, I always have the perspective of I think we can do more together than we can do separately going to head to head. And we're, will there be, you know, I love Herb's, uh, Herb's uh, quote there. What I would add to that is there will be times when we compete. Yes. And that's fine. Competition you know, is good. Competition breaks up better. than everybody. Right. It may, like lack of competition breeds mediocrity. But collaboration, and I think this is Herb's point, is like collaboration means rising tides raise all boats, right? Like let's, let's work together to make this even better, right? And so what I tell other production companies in my PRG role is I say, look, we have these capabilities, right? We can bring in unique, innovative technology to give better experiences, but I would love to rely on you for what you do best in the world, Right. And there are going to be those times when we come head to head on a bid. And I hope I win. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. No, at the same time, we'll win some. Other people will win some. And I have no hard feelings. What I want to do in that situation when I don't win is I want to learn from it. And I'm going to congratulate that person because most of the people in these industries, this industry are my friends anyway. And I'm going to say, good job. I'd love to see the case study afterwards to see what you did and how you did it. You know, and if there's a way that we can help you on the next one to do it better, please don't hesitate to give me a call. That's my attitude. Uh, Terrence says such a good quote, constant competition is so adversarial and wears on your psyche. Uh, Leah says competition breeds mediocrity. Collab- <clears throat> collaboration raises the experience for all. Great quote. Uh, yeah. Carrie says, it's, this is the time to seed collaboration. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, completely. And it is, it's such a fine line. It is competition and collaboration, um, but it rises, it rises, the tides rises all boats and it's, but c- competition is great. That's how you get better. If you just talk about Absolutely. traditional sports or esports, whatever, I mean, that's how yeah. you get better is getting beat down. So I come from the wrestling space. You don't get better wrestling people that are worse than you. I t- I, and I, yeah. tell, I, I tell a lot of my, my kids that I've coached, I'm like you're not going to get better wrestling someone that's that you beat every day. Well, and that's the you same know? when it's with strategy or just business or experience, right? Like if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if yeah. you're comfortable, if everything's easy for you, I think I do this too much because everything's hard for me. Uh, it's like sometimes I need to take a step back or maybe I'm, I don't know. But um, yeah, if everything's really easy and you've just have everything handled, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. You know, like sometimes you need to jump in the deep end and um, sometimes you got to learn by to swim by drowning every day, you know, but um, persevere. In fact, um, when it comes to perseverance, and this is one of my favorite quotes. So one of my favorite quotes is 
and I'm probably going to butcher it, right? My favorite quote that I can't remember sure, uh, <laughs> um, is luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? And so um, I've been pretty lucky in my career, but I've been very prepared, but I've also recognized opportunity and I've gone for it. I've moved, a, there was a point in my life where I had moved nine times in seven years, five times cross country. And I don't recommend that if you want a low stress life, (laughs) (laughs) but I was pursuing my skateboarding dreams, right? And I was willing to do anything to go after it. And so what I would add to that quote, luck is when perseverance meets opportunity, is that success, or I'm sorry, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, is that success is when perseverance meets luck. Because what I say to people is like, you see that opportunity, you know, be courageous, be brave, jump for it, go for it. But guess what? It's going to be super hard. It's going to be extremely difficult. Like landing a job that you don't know how to do sucks. And I've been there. I've talked myself into some, <laughs> some great jobs <laughs> that I then had to figure out how to do. Right. And, but if you don't quit, you keep going You know, you've got, I always say, you know, we all have 24 hours. We all have the same amount of time in a day. But what are you doing with that 24 hours? Are you stopping at five and then you're going home chilling? That's fine if that's your goal, right? If that is within line with what you want to do. But I'm telling you right now, somebody else is going home. They're having dinner and then they're hopping on YouTube and they're learning. Or they're working with their friends on a side hustle, right? And so we have the same amount of time in a day. But it's what are you doing with that to get better? Because when you look, you know, years down the road, the dude who hopped on YouTube to learn about um, finance or learned about marketing or, or digital strategy or things of that nature, when the other dude was just chilling, that person's going to be way further down the road. So I would encourage people, especially young people, go for it. Like now is the time to move across the country to take that job you know, even if it's low pay, because you have so much time to gain experience and ultimately experience is the greatest currency, right? Because you can learn stuff, but the way you really get to know stuff is by doing it. And so I know a lot of of things from like live events, from marketing, from business development, because I've tried it and I failed and I've learned from it, or I've tried it and I succeeded and I replicated that again the next time. So just go for it and don't give up. Just, just keep pounding. Um, you're going to, you know, you're going to feel stressed out. It's going to be hard, but one day you're going to look up and you're going to say, wow, how did I get here? You know? And all of a sudden it feels like I'm swimming downstream. Right. You know, I've got this. Now applying that to breaking into the esports space, you know, I get this question a lot. How do you break in the esports space? Uh, mm-hmm. What are the steps to do that? Obviously, with your experience, I'd like to get your take on that. What is the one or two things that someone can do that, that's like, hey, I'm on, I'm on the fringe. Like, I'm trying to break into the space. Like, what can they do? What should they be doing to be able to do that? Yeah, I get that question a lot, too. Um, you know, everything in life, especially business, comes down to relationships. And even more so in the esports community, in, in small niche subcultures, mm-hmm. right? So. When, if you're one of the members of this community, you know, you know, everybody's friends, everybody's close, right? Or I should say most people are friends, <laughs> but everybody's close. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but, you know, the reason why there's laws against hiring your friends is because everybody hires their friends. <laughs> <laughs> and every job I've gotten, it's, or I'll say this, every good job I've gotten is because I knew somebody. And so this is what I would encourage young people to do is volunteer at live events. The cool thing about esports now, you know, 10 years ago when it was just the Hectors and the Jason Lakes and the Micro Fells of the world, um, like it was hard to figure out how to get into it. Right. Cause it's like, if I live across the country from one of those dudes or how do I get in touch with them? Or, you know, if there, there weren't a lot of live events happening now, especially with Call of Duty League, Overwatch League, but also collegiate esports, high school esports, these things that are emerging everywhere, there's a lot of opportunities to be involved and people need help, right? So what I would tell people, I live here in Dallas and you know you have Team Envy with the Dallas Fuel and uh, 
and the Dallas Empire, I would say reach out to these guys and see how you can volunteer. And some people, I would say anybody who sees volunteering for free as getting screwed or getting taken advantage of, I would say you are short-sighted because this is experience. Once again, experience is the greatest currency. And so you're an investing, you know, we all believe in investing, right? There's not a lot of people who say invest, nobody should invest. This is the greatest form of investing because you're investing it in yourself, right? So I would say go to your local team, your local org, whoever that is, and just say, I want to help. How can I help? And what you might be helping by, um, I don't know, taking tickets at the front door. You might be helping by uh, just being a person who's taking you know, information at activation booths. Or you might be, maybe you're, you have a skill like videography or, or things of that nature. There's a couple of things that are going to happen as a result of this. Number one, if you're cool and you work hard, <laughs> you're going to create a good impression and you're going to create these relationships. And the opportunity for employment may not come for a while, but just continue on. The other thing is, is you're going to learn, you're going to gain experience so that the next time there's an event, you can say, I've been part of a live esports event. Either you have a better opportunity to uh, um, to volunteer again, or you have a, you have experience, so now you have a reason for people to pay you to be a part of it. And then the other thing I would say, especially for young people, is that there's jobs and there's things that you're not aware of that you you find out. Whoa, social media manager is a job. I could be on Twitter all day, and people get paid for that. Yes, they do. You know, yeah, do. or. Or on the flip side, here's something that happened to me. I have a marketing degree from Sacramento State. Shout out. Love those guys. <laughs> um, but I love marketing strategy. But when I got a marketing job and I found out what the day-to-day -day of marketing was, especially channel marketing, um, it wasn't my passion. I wasn't interested in it. Honestly, I wasn't very good at it. And so I learned that business development was much more in my wheelhouse. And that's what I do now. And I'm, I'm very happy and I'm, I'm pretty effective with it. And so it gives you, sometimes you'll think you know what you want to do. And then you find out what that job requires. And you're like, oh, I don't like this or I'm not good at this. But then you, you're able to expose yourself to new things. So long story short, volunteer. That's the best way. And, and the teams need the help. So they'll be thankful to have it. Right. Sam, Sam jumped in uh, LinkedIn 100% on that thought. If I didn't volunteer at DreamHack, start up gaming esports clubs in my company, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm sure there's an, a couple other people jumped in. Neil, Neil said, yes, volunteer. Um, uh, Peter jumped in. Volunteering is cracking open a wide opportunity to hyper download how live events come together. Yes. There's so much that goes on too behind the scenes. There's so much that people don't realize. And, um, yeah, you're setting yourself up for success. You make some good friends and, you know, those relationships will, will take you further than you think they really will. And then to add to that, you know, we talk about this all the time on here. People are probably sick and tired of it. Um, but but putting yourself out there and the way to put yourself out there yeah. is, con is content because that was your fourth point from earlier is you put yourself out there like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I would like to do. Like, here's what I think I'm, I'm good at. Maybe, yeah. you don't think, maybe you don't think I'm good at it or whatever, but we'll figure out along the way. But you put yourself out there and tell your story and your story may not align with everyone or every entity out there that you'd like to work with. But there's yeah. probably there's probably one and all you and all you need is one. And here's the thing I'll tell the young people too, especially like college students, because a lot of times if you, if you don't have a lot of experience and you're young, you're not very confident. Right. And so you don't think that you're capable of doing what you're able to do. And this is what I tell, I speak at college classes every now and then, and this is what I always say, is young graduates who are coming out of college in the esports industry are more valuable than any other industry in the world. And the reason why I say that is that whether you like it or not, most graduates, you're unskilled labor. You, yes, you've learned like you've passed the tests and you've gotten a degree and that's commendable. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to do that. But as far as the business world, you don't even know what you don't even know. 
And so what agencies and brands are doing with young people, it's the leaders who have the experience. They just need arms and feet and energy to carry out their strategy. And so for a few years, honestly, you're not that valuable in the eyes of industries, right? That's That might sound harsh, but that's the truth. Now in esports, here's the opportunity. Is those experienced people who are carrying out strategies for brands and different industries, they don't get esports at all. They don't understand it. It's super hard to understand. And, you know, they've been, you know, marketing to themselves for the last 30 years. And now there's a group of young people who have different behaviors. They value different things. And it's just, they don't get it. And so if young college graduates can position themselves with an executive or somebody experienced to say, look, I would love to share my insights with you. And I would just love to have you pick my brain and ask me questions. And I will tell you what the community likes, what sucks, what needs to be better and what we'd love to do. And then that expert can then take that and apply his or her, you know, decades of knowledge and be able to build a very, uh, strong strategy. And then on the flip side, what the young person is gaining is a relationship. Like I said, relationships are everything in business. You're gaining a relationship with somebody who's very experienced, who may end up hiring you or can refer you to somebody else, but can also help you with T. Te- I would encourage you to pick their brain as well and say, you know, what would you do if you were in my spot, you know, uh, 20 years ago, right? Um, what is it that I should know? What should I work on now so that I can get to where you're at uh, in 20 years sort of a thing? And so um, I would I'm telling you, if there's college students out there uh, who are looking for this, I am one of those people who I would love to talk with you regularly because I, you know, I'm in this industry, but I never assume I know it all. And I always want to have my ear to the ground. Right. Yep. So if you're looking for somebody to connect with, I'll be the first one connect with me. Right. I'd love to do that. But I, but if there's other people, you know, in your network or that you're closer to, um, don't hesitate to reach out to these folks and say, look, I know this audience because it's me. And that's the most value that, right. That's the most, I mean, what else is more valuable than that? If Cause that, right. can, cause that is the data. That is the market. That is the behavior. It's that person. So no, yeah, I would, I would also just say if there's any, you know, experienced executives who are watching this as well, who are outside the space, have the humility and the willingness to engage young people. You know, it is worth your time. And it's also, you know, as I've over the last few years, I've, I've really focused on giving back and helping others. Man, there's nothing more gratifying. So, um, you know, when I see some kid get a job because I introduced him to something or I see him text take the next step in a certain thing because I was able to provide insights or guidance, man, that's more enjoyable than me doing something myself. So, you know, yeah. Be there for yeah. Well, and that goes back to like to coaching and connecting people with, I think it's all the same conversation because not only have you coached that individual person, but yeah. then how many people are they going to impact? Absolutely. And I, I talk to people like that. You start, you start multiplying and it's like, wow, this is really incredible. Cause I think about, I say this story a lot, but my coach who coached me, and 50 other, you know, 30 other wrestlers that year. But then three of us 100%. went on, three of us went on to coach ourselves. Yeah. Who then went on to coach other, and it, it adds up very fast. And it's really cool to see that because the impact starts going to get into the thousands quickly. Well, what I love too is, you know, I remember when I was a young kid and uh, I was like the little kid who was like, kind of good, surprisingly good at skateboarding because he was so small. <laughs> um, <laughs> That was me in town. And so I remember when I was like 11 and 12, these 16, 17, 18 year old guys who were like crushing it on a skateboard. And I remember this one moment specifically, we went to the grocery store, me and my mom. And that was where a lot of the skaters love to skate in town. It was just this big open parking lot. We'd pull boxes out from behind the store to do tricks over it and stuff like that. But I remember this guy, Johnny Benevente. He was the best skater in town in the whole area. And I remember him skating over to my mom's car and saying, can John come skate with us? And I was blown away. I was like, mom, can we go on the board? Johnny wants me to skate with him, you know? And 
I was so impacted by that. And, and that guy continued to be really a pillar of my skateboarding experience moving forward. And there's been other people who have been mentors to me and stuff. But what I value so much now is that my age and my experience, I can be that person to somebody else. And it's super cool to pay that forward and to think about how I responded to people uh, investing in my life. And now I have the opportunity to do that for others. And the one thing to add is now we have the platforms and the communication tools where everybody's reachable. Yes. You think about it, everyone's reachable. And it's just going to be 20 years ago. Could you get on LinkedIn and contact someone that you can today? No, you couldn't. You know, so right. that the uh, the availability, the accessibility is there, but like you've said multiple times, you have to put in the work. So yeah, hundred percent on that. Uh, right, probably last question because we're up against the clock. This has been great, John. I appreciate you jumping on, man. This has been really thank really you. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Peter does have a question though. Uh, what's coming up next for PRG and esports offerings? Oh man, I got a bunch of stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <it's> like- <laughs> that's funny this is what i would say is uh just you know follow me on linkedin and on twitter and you know i'm working with some people internally um i'm developing some exciting partnerships with people outside of prg as well and when i took this job what i saw as the opportunity is to really help the community by uh completely reinventing the fan experience And this is what we at PRG have the opportunity to do because of our tremendous capabilities. And of course, we we look forward to partnering with other people from the gaming community. And so when I look at the esports live event experience, what I see is very impressive compared to where we came from, right? Like if you look at LAN parties 15 years ago and you got these dudes who've been doing this for 20 years, if you look at where you started and where you are now, that is amazing. But here's the thing. Sometimes that can make you complacent because you can feel like, look at how far I came, right? Like, look at what we've done and where we are now. We're in arenas, we're right? All this. Gamers have always been innovators, right? Like, we're early adopters. We understand digital. We understand tech. And so what I seek to do and what we're going to do at PRG is we're going to introduce technologies. We're going to introduce um, different ways to engage both at home and at venues that are going to make the space more engaging, more exciting. It's going to encourage more people to tune in. It's going to make it better for the core gamer. It's going to bring in more of the casual audience because it's going to be the type of thing where people say, holy crap, you have to see this production. You have to see this event in person to believe it. And so I'm super excited that our company has the resources and the capabilities to pull that together, which is super unique. And then it's also, I see it helping the industry as a whole from a funding perspective. Because when you have brands sponsoring events that have more people watching, more people attending, those are going to become bigger partnerships. And that's going to be more money going to the gaming community and really my overarching goal with everything I'm doing in esports is I want gamers to be able to do more of what we love. And so um, that's what we have coming. And uh, once I am no longer under NDA and confidentiality agreements, <laughs> um, I look totally forward get to it. Totally get it. Yeah, totally, totally get the NDA world. So that's for, yeah. that's for sure. Well, well, hey, man, we're up against the clock. Um, John, I appreciate you jumping on here. I appreciate you guys with all the questions and the comments. Uh, we're, again, we're gonna make clips of this. A lot of great stuff. A lot of really, really good stuff. Not just in esports and gaming, but just uh, career-wise and kind of where we are in the live event space. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I appreciate. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate everybody jump jumping on. Um, and then, so one last way. What are ways people can connect with you? You mentioned earlier, but can you repeat that? Yeah. Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I'm mo- most active. Um, so just look up John Davidson production resource group or PRG. I'm a guy in a suit on a skateboard. Uh, that's a longer story. Yeah. Um, and then Twitter is at John Davidson, but it's zeros instead of O's. So it's at J zero H N D A V I D S zero N. So I I'm typically on there. It's more business stuff, posting what I'm doing, whether it's esports trade association or, or PRG or the other things I'm involved in. 
Guys, thanks for being here. John, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Level Experience. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. See you guys. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things, if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast, um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube uh, to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C-R-I-S. R-E-E-D to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support and we'll see you on the next episode.